Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Looking Back, Moving Forward. This is Anthony Harris, and I appreciate your joining me for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I promised you uh, about a week or so ago that uh, I would have a very special guest. Uh, mayor, I call him mayor. He's a former mayor, four-term mayor of, of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, Dr. Johnny Dupree. And we had to reschedule that because uh, uh, one of his his um, friends who was once the first black mayor of Laurel, Mississippi, passed away, Mr. Melvin Mack. And um, Johnny wanted to reschedule our conversation tonight so that he could attend a memorial service for him. So um, we, we knew that was the right thing to do and we could, so that's why we rescheduled this. And, and we certainly, our hearts go out to the Mack family um, there in Laurel, he was, he, he was a trailblazer. He did so many things for that city and, and inspired so many people, um, you know, regardless of race. And I, I think, and he did it in a city, folks, where Laurel, Mississippi and Jones County, yeah. that was the headquarters of the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> okay, these yeah. people, yeah. they were serious, serious white supremacists. They weren't these yeah. wannabes or Johnny come lately. They had a long history of hating black folk. And, and Melvin Mack became the mayor of that city. But uh, anyway, I'm so glad that uh, Dr. Dupree could be with us tonight. And part of my reason for wanting to have him is, is sort of in line with what I've had other um, Black individuals here before to, to talk about their pathway to success, how they have achieved, what they've achieved, what has accounted for their success. And it's, it's sort of in response, it's not a reaction, but just a response to something that you've heard me say before when Donald Trump was president, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, made this asinine statement that John, Donald Trump wanted to help black people to be successful, but black people have to want to be successful. You know, how dumb is statement is that? So I, I've just made it my own personal <laughs> mission is to debunk that by bringing on to this podcast individuals who have, who have achieved success and, and done some remarkable things and blazed some trails. And so tonight uh, I do that in that spirit and having Mayor Dupree. So uh, Dr. Dupree, thank you, sir, for being here. Thanks for making time for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for inviting me, Dr. Okay. I really do appreciate it. Let's go to John, let's go to John and Anthony, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's good. I, I I've known Johnny for a long time. We both uh, are from Hattiesburg. I believe I was a year ahead of Johnny in Correct. high school. I remember he was a heck of a basketball player. <laughs> I remember I, a I, long time ago. A long, long time, time ago. <laughs> but I, I there's a there's a picture in our yearbook in 1971 with you going for a ball out of bounds. You were it, it, was, a, it was a basketball game and. The ball was you going out sure. you, you, were, you were going on the floor, giving that, just giving it up for the team. I got to get this ball before it goes out of bounds. So, you know, Johnny has, has come, uh, has done a lot for the city. He's done a lot uh, for the black community, for the city of Hattiesburg at large. And, and I'm just going to ask him to share his story in, in some kind of order that he chooses his early years in Hattiesburg um, as, he, um, as he moved and navigated the, the treacherous waters of Jim Crowism there in Hattiesburg and, and how he, just that timeline, if you just highlight some of the things 
and, and you can start wherever you want to, Johnny, but you know, the main thing, I, I want you to talk about your story and, and, and if you can weave into, <clears throat> excuse me, weave into that story, identify those, those factors, those events, those people, those or whatever you want to call it that you look back and you still see is still in you today that which you you can say this is what led me in the direction that I'm going this is helps to account for my success as a black man there in Hattiesburg Mississippi okay all right um I love, you just wind me up and I, I'll, I'll go on and do it. Um, hey, man, we just, all, we, just, we just keep going until we run, out, <laughs> run out of things to talk about, right? All right. Well, look, I, I, I want to address Jared Kushner. I don't know, uh, gosh, I, I, in my mind's eye, I was trying to recall anyone who I thought or told me that they didn't want to be successful. Now, success is, is relevant. I mean, it's I mean, what do you call success? Uh, you know, success in my eyes may be different than success in your eyes. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to own a car, own a house, want a family, want a job, want the better things in life. And to me, that's success. Uh, success is not necessarily having a PhD or MD behind your name or, or, or any other kinds of things that we all, uh, you know, strive for. So I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be a success uh, in, in their own definition of being a successful person. Um, I know when I started uh, as a young man, uh, you know, I was raised by a single parent, three kids, my daughter, my, my sister, uh, my brother and myself, I'm the middle child. So I have that complex, you know, that all middle children have. Uh, Hey, I'm I'm middle child too, so I, I can identify so, with it. You you understand it? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, so you know, we uh, I, I was born in um, uh, Fort Bend in Georgia, and um, someone's trying to get. I was born in Fort Bend in Georgia. Uh, my dad was in 82nd Airborne, and uh, uh, when he shipped off uh, overseas, he. Came back to Hattiesburg for a minute and decided, you know, he didn't want to be married and didn't want to have kids and that kind of thing. And so my mom raised us. She was a domestic, worked three jobs. You know, they, that old story. We lived in a shotgun house on a on a uh, on a gravel road. Uh, you know, our, our idea of having fun was throwing was having a, 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 a we we call it uh, dodge rocks instead yeah. of dodge ball because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we we couldn't afford the ball. When somebody, right. if somebody was blessed to buy a refrigerator, something had a box, we rolled down the street, down the hill in the box, and we took tires out of ditches and rolled them down yeah. the street, raced it in. You know, we, we mean, <laughs> that was real, real simple. It was a real right. simple life. I started working at eight years old, selling newspapers because I broke my sister's glasses and my mom said she couldn't afford it. You know, and, and that's where it started with me, where people started telling me that I was not going to uh, achieve anything. I was not going to be anybody. Uh, when when I started, when my mom said you had to get a job at eight, you know, the first thing I heard from people is nobody's going to hire you. Well, Miss Lily McLaurin uh, <laughs> uh, on Mobile Street. Oh yes, Miss <laughs> Lily. Yeah, Miss Lily, I'm I'm one of I'm one of Miss I'm one of Miss Lily boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of successful people uh, with with Miss Lily boys. Percy Watson, uh, uh, Ada Holloway. I mean, I can go down the list of those. Of course, she had. Uh, uh, you know, her fraternity boys too at the same time. So she allowed me to to sell newspapers. And by 10, I was actually uh, running her station, her, her, her shop. She was the largest African-American distributor of newspaper in the city of Hattiesburg. 
and she allowed me to run her, her, her shop when she was out at 10 years old. Uh, you know, my mom believed in education. My mom didn't graduate from high school, uh, but she was used to come home, Anthony, and, you know, she had, we had chores. We had certain things we had to do by the time she got home. Okay. And, you know, scared the hell out of us, excuse my expression. But she would come <laughs> in and say, she'd come in and say, do you have, do you have your lesson? And we didn't know that she didn't know what she was looking at. I mean, she didn't know anything about algebra or, right. or you know, conjugating a, you know, a verb or dissecting. She didn't know anything about that. Right. Uh, but we thought she did. And the, therefore, we had things. I mean, we, were, we had it. We were, you know, we took care of it. The other thing that, that, that she valued was um, valued us going to church. Mm. Um, she, um, you know, she worked a lot of times on Sunday uh, preparing food and getting ready for other families for them to go to um, to go to uh, church. Uh, uh, but we went to church every Sunday. I mean, when the doors opened, we were there. When they closed, we were there. Uh, I remember a lady um, named Miss Warren said, you know, church doesn't start at 11 o'clock. Doesn't mean you come at 11. It means that you're there at 11. So right. that, meant we went, that meant we went to Sunday school, uh, 11 o'clock service, BYPU, choir rehearsal. You name it, we, we were there. And Johnny, and, back in those days, and my mom was the same way, and it was never a, okay. it was never a debate. <clears throat> it was never a question. Do you want to go to church? Do you want to go to Sunday? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I hear lots of parents today, they, they negotiate with their kids. I know. And say, well, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Man, my mom, <laughs> and I knew your mom was saying, my mom would say, by the time I get in that car and turn that key, you better be sitting in that car ready to go to church. <laughs> my mom, look, we were blessed that our church was right, down, right around the street. And, you know, we, we, we didn't have a car. You know, again, raised by single parent, we didn't have a car. So we walked or rode the, the bus everywhere we went. Uh, but but there was no debate. I mean, it was like, you know, Sunday morning, you up, uh, you know, uh, and you go to school, you go to, you go to uh, Sunday school and you stay there until, you know, we, we did come home to eat, but you were right back at church for Sunday evening. Uh, there was no debate. That that kind of that that was the, the foundation. The other foundation in my in my life was the was the, the community that I grew up in. We grew up on Short Fifth Street. That, that's what I remember. And then the other house we grew up in was eight ten and a half Memphis Street. So we had Short Fifth <laughs> and eight ten and a half. <laughs> you know, we we weren't even a hole at that time. So right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it was on Mobile Street. Right. And, you know, we had black doctors, black lawyers, black oh, dentists, yeah. uh, black funeral home directors. We had grocery stores. We had a hotel. We had a bank. Mm -hmm. uh, we had all those things on Mobile Street. We never had to leave Mobile Street. It was almost like uh, Tulsa. We never had exactly. to leave Mobile Street. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We didn't have to like leave. Like the Black yeah. Wall Street in, yeah, in Greenwood. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we didn't have to leave our community in order to get anything from any other community. It was right there. And, you know, people had their own gardens. They had their own chicken. I mean, I remember killing chicken. And we yeah. threw them out. We rained that neck. Throw them out. Of, <laughs> that's right. Throw them out of the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, swaying them. Swaying them. Do all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. Anthony, you know, we, we, you know, we, you and I, we're not that old. But I can remember a time, Anthony, you know, we, we took, uh, and I didn't know any difference at the time. But we took baths in a number three ten tub. Yeah, we heated, yeah <laughs> heated the water on the stove. We, you know, we had. A, I hate to use this term. We had to call it a slop jar at night. Oh yeah, uh, you know those yeah. those bathrooms. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we had those things, 
and didn't think of the difference. What I found uh, the difference, Anthony, was selling newspapers. Mm. At eight years old, I would go to different homes of people who were had mothers and fathers there in the home, uh, like the Warrens and some of those who had their own shop, and, uh, like uh, Mr. Hall, who had Hall's mortuary. And, yeah. Yes. And, and those people had owned nice cars. They lived mm -hmm. in brick homes. They had air conditioning. They had all these things that I didn't have, that we didn't have. And I realized at that, at that point, I want some of those things. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want titles. I just wanted those things. At eight or nine years old, I realized I wanted a better life than what I had. Um, and so, um, you know, play ball, had good grades. Uh, the, the good thing I had, though, with the community saw something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. Uh, those men uh, counseled me, uh, allowed me to, to come to their, their, their businesses, sit around and talk to them. Uh, they didn't shush me away. They imparted in me things that they knew that I couldn't get in any classroom. Uh, and, and I knew I wanted better. I knew three things I wanted. I wanted to be a community worker. I wanted to do the best in my community. I wanted to be the best uh, husband that I could be. And I wanted to be the best father that I could be. I know those are the things that I wanted because those are things that I didn't have when I was growing up. And those are things that I wanted. And, and when I looked at the men in our community, that's what I saw in them. They were community workers. They were activists. It, of course, we call them activists now. But they were just one of the best for their community. Exactly. They were great fathers. They were great husbands. And they, you know, and those things I want on top of being uh, church leaders all at the same mm -hmm. time. And so, um, you know, I, I, um, I, uh, I, I did really well in school. I, I studied really hard. Um, I had, I had a couple of scholarships, one to Morehouse, one to Jackson State, because I ran track as well and had a track scholarship to Jackson State. But, but I did as all, I say all, some people do, Anthony, I, I, um, I messed up, uh, my <laughs> wife, yeah, my, my wife and I got pregnant and, uh, and people say, your wife, you got pregnant. Yeah. It takes two. So <laughs> it was both of us. <laughs> yeah. We got hey, pregnant. That's yeah. right. You, you take, you yeah. take responsibility, man. That's what it's oh, yeah. about being a man. That's oh, yeah. even though you were yeah. young, you were being a man. Right. right. So how can, so how can that job, Anthony, how can I be a, a great husband, a great father if I'm not there? And so I chose not to leave. I chose to marry my, my then girlfriend at 19 years old, and she was 17 years old. Uh, she, of course, had to drop out of school. Um, uh, she eventually got her master's degree in early childhood development, but she had to drop out of school. And, you know, I was on and off in school, and, and I started working at Sears. Actually, I went to uh, 11th grade for a little while in Washington, D.C., and, um, and came back to Hattiesburg when my dad... Uh, uh, my mom and dad never divorced. You know, they never African American did that. They didn't. They just separated. Yeah, they stayed together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they stayed together. Yeah. At least on paper, anyway. Right. So, so he he became definitely ill, and and uh, she brought him home and asked me if I would come back and and um, and help her with him. And I did. Two months later, of course, he passed. Um. So, uh, so I stayed home, married. Um. You know, didn't have a. It didn't have a dollar to spend. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I know what you mean. It, yeah, we, we didn't even pay the pay the preacher for 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 marrying us. Yeah. Um, but 
I, I was I was blessed because I, in DC I started working for Sears Roebuck. It was when mm-hmm. it was called Re- Sears Roebuck. Sears Roebuck and yeah. Company. Yeah. Yeah, and Company. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was astounded when I found out that Roebuck was an African American. Oh, I yeah. said, man, I said, man, an African American. His name is up there on that building. And I started work. So when I came here back, uh, I, I asked him, could I could I work for them and put an application? And they said, sure. Well, I rose to third in line from the mayor. I mean, the ma- the manager, assistant manager, then me, and uh, actually wanted. I was on the training program. They asked me to to move to Florida uh, to open a store, and I said no because I didn't think that was best for my family, my two small girls at that time. Um, and as it would be, I had some other people in the community that thought I had something to give, and they went to the mayor after we changed the form of government and said, you know. We need somebody on the school board, and I think Johnny Dupree would be a pretty good guy to do it. Mm-hmm. And they went to him. Now you have to understand that that I was in and out of college at that time, uh, and didn't graduate. And I went on a school board where the, there were three people that had uh, a doc, doctor degrees and one had a master's degree, and I had a high school diploma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, though, uh, Anthony, I, I uh, went back to school. Uh, eventually, I received, I got my my undergrad and, and master's from USM, and got my PhD from Jackson State. Um, both my daughters, I'm proud to say, have PhDs, and both are teachers. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah. that's yeah. a. Yeah. I mean, look, you you set the bar there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, actually, somewhere, did. huh? I say somewhere somebody set the bar for you, and you set the exactly. bar for for your daughter. That's great. Well, well, it, it really did because my oldest daughter. It was ABD for about five years of all okay. but dissertation. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't right. know, yeah, for those who don't know, for about five years. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going back to school, get my doctor. She said, What? I said, I'm going back to get my doctor. And of course, she said, I think I'm going back. Well, because I received mine first, but but it spurred her to go on, and that spurred my second daughter to go on and get her as well. Um, but but I, I went on school board during a tumultuous time. That was doing uh uh, we had uh, we were under DC had been under DC for 20 oh 30 years probably what what time frame won- was that Johnny what years were 19 uh, 1980 um, 1987 okay uh, we had been under DC gosh for 20 years mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted it to uh, achieve unitary status where we could you know uh, determine our own fate and we did. Uh, and it, it it caused us to uh, move some kids around so that the schools weren't racially identifiable, and they had some had to be bused, and that was the beginning of white flight truly because we had some schools that were ninety five percent white and not and and hundred percent black, and um, and so when these you know these buses rolled up with, with these little black faces coming off of them, scared the hell out of some of these little white mamas, and and that's when you still had all these. Uh, these schools, these these church schools, these private schools, kind of, uh, there were people taking their kids sixty miles away, one way, to get them out of Hattiesburg Public Schools, um, and and so, um, but but that was my that I cut my teeth on on public service. Uh, you know, I tell anybody if you want to go to if you want to uh, have a career in public service, start out on the school board. Hey man, yeah, you, you're talking my language there because you know I, I served I served as a school board member for 15 years in Texas, and you're absolutely right. If you yeah. want to learn about budgets, if you want to learn about HR, if you want to learn about education, how to how to build coalitions, how to get along with people, 
and, and set policies and all things. Yeah, school board is a great place to do. And of course, in Hattiesburg, you were you, you were appointed by the mayor to correct. be a member, but the council had to approve you. Is that correct? Correct, correct, correct. Yes. I, I, yeah, I, you know, I had to be, there had only been, uh, at, that, at that time, I was the third African-American that was appointed there. Um, I think uh, I served as president of the school board for three years, though. Uh, with the, all these other learned people on the board with me with a, with a high school diploma. During this tumultuous time, uh, doing busing and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, and I mean, it was a lot going on. There was some, it, but, but you, you would understand because you were on the school board. Um, but during that, during that time, uh, you know, I, I was at Sears, when, I, when they wanted me to move, I realized that if I wanted to do one of the things again that I, I said I wanted to do, and that was to be a, uh, a community worker and a, and, a, and a good father and a good and a good husband. I didn't need to start over in another community. Mm-hmm. I needed to start in my, my own community. Um, and I, you know, it goes back to you know charity stores at home. I think yes. if you, I mean, you need to take care of your home, and then if you want to move away, you can do those kinds of things. And so, so, so I, so I walked in one day and told them that I quit, and they couldn't believe it. And um, I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> my wife couldn't believe it. Uh, but we prayed about it and realized that was something that, that, that I needed to do. And so uh, I ran for uh, as a member uh, to become a member of the Board of Supervisors. And um, and we were successful. We were the second African-American to be elected at, on the Board of Supervisors. We served for 10 years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we did a pretty decent job. I, yeah, you uh, did. Yeah. I, well, I think we did. And during that, during that process, again, I was looking around my community and realized that Although I was on the board of supervisors, we really had no control uh, of what was happening in Hattiesburg proper, mm-hmm. where I lived, not outside the city. And, and if we wanted to have some some kind of influence in Hattiesburg proper, it needed to be on the council of mayor. Uh, and you know, I, I never wanted to be the on the on the bottom of the of the heap. I, so after I mean, what the heck? Right. Why not go for the top? At the top, never yes, been. Right. Yeah, and you know, and, and as I said to start out with, when I first got that first job selling paper, people said that nobody's gonna hire you. When I married at 19, said it wasn't gonna last for six months. We've been married 48 and a half years. I mean, everything we've ever tried to say, you can't do it, it won't happen, on and on and on and on and on. And so in 1997, uh, I ran for mayor in Hattiesburg. Uh, was not successful. I was still on the board of supervisors, but there were four people running. We spent all of $8,000, $4,000 was mine. We were able to raise $4,000. But, you know, people like Bobby Chain, who ran, we beat him. Uh, there's another guy who died, we beat him. Because Ed Morgan. Ed was, Morgan but I realized, yeah. yeah, but I realized then that we had an opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. So we came back, ran for re-election for, on the Board of Supervisors, and in 2001 ran again. And mm-hmm. this time we were successful. Um, and... Uh, you know, so so that that's that's the, up to the mayor's position. Well, well, Johnny, you you've used this pronoun several times, and you, you say we. Yeah. We did. We were successful. We won this. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you, why you use the term we instead of I. Well, I, I've never liked to use the the the, the pronoun I, 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 and and I don't like it because I don't I, I really don't know of anything that that any one person can achieve that's worth anything. Um, you know, uh, my family 
uh, anything that we've ever tried to do, my family has always been there. Uh, even when they thought maybe I shouldn't or it was a, it was a, a tough road, they've always been there. And then there are people in the community who have always been there. And so we've always tried to include people in whatever success that, that we had because you can't be successful by yourself. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, it's like putting on a new suit and then nobody there to look at it. Right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, President Obama tried to remind us of that in, in a speech he made about people, you didn't do this all by yourself. And of course, people criticized him for that and said, oh yeah, I did do, no. When you really analyze the things that you've achieved, you've had some help. You stood on somebody's oh, yeah. shoulder. You've oh, gotten yeah. a boost. You've gotten some kind of support from somebody or, or, or you know. So to say that you did it yourself, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. That's, 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 that's kind of selfish. But yeah, selfish. it is. They're selfish. Yeah. Because when you go back to the names, to the people that I call Mr. Hall and, and uh, you know, Mr. Smith, mm -hmm. Dr. Fites, I mean, oh, yeah. all those people, um, your mama. Yeah, Daisy Harris. All those people who I didn't really know what they were doing when they were doing it. Yeah. And I really didn't, didn't comprehend why they were even doing it at that point. Later on, I understood why they were doing it. It wasn't for them. They were fighting for me. Yeah. They were fighting, they were fighting for you. They were walking the street, they were picketing, they were doing all these things for you and me, Anthony. And and, and those people are the people that we do whatever we do for. Mm -hmm. And if we try to say we did it ourselves, then we are really selfish and short-sighted. That's right. And, and, it, and, it, and it's not, it's selfish and it's untrue. I mean, it's, yes. we, need to, we need to acknowledge those persons, those communities that have supported us because God knows, and we, we just didn't do it by ourselves. And anybody no, who didn't. says, I did it myself, they are narcissistic. They are, they're just not yes. truthful with themselves. Yes. They, they have this huge yes. ego. But let me say, yes. use that as a sort of a segue into something uh, I want us to talk about. And that's what's going on today in, in race relations uh, in our country. Uh, I think the flashpoint recently was the, the murder of George Floyd in yeah. the of Derek Chauvin um, yeah. in that case. And, and that sparked this huge, huge re response and reaction, not just in the United States, not just in Minneapolis or in Houston where he's from, uh, but this is a worldwide reaction to that. And you, 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 know, you knew Mississippi back when, and we, you knew the challenges that we went through in the movement with the demonstrations and the marches. And typically it was just us, it was just black folks. Right, right. But talk a little bit about how you see that, that movement or that reaction to George Floyd in, in the, the, the demonstrations and the marches and the, and the protests that resulted, that came as a result of that how that's different or similar to what we saw in Mississippi during the movement. You know what I'm talking well, about? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think we're going back to the future. Yeah, um, okay. that's a good way yeah, to put it. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, go back to the founding of the NWCP. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just black folk in, the, in, that, in that church, in that basement. It was black folk and white folk in mm -hmm. that basement. Um, uh, go, um, you can go back to 
probably most major events, uh, uh, Freedom Summer, yeah. uh, Goodman, Schwana, and Cheney. Um, th there has been white sympathizers. Uh, certainly there were a lot of times when they were only African-Americans, but there were several times when they were whites marching alongside, being beaten, but killed. Right. Uh, because they were sympathizers. And you look at what happened with, with Floyd and, and you look in that crowd and some of the crowds I saw sometimes were majority white. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and, and so <laughs> I think that that the, the younger people have seen, have gotten a kind of a, a flashback without even knowing what was going on back when I'm talking about. They got a flashback from what was happening way back when. And I think they've said enough's enough. Uh, and, and I think that's the only reason that we've had all the, we have these things that are going on in all these different legislatures because they don't believe that we belong. They don't believe that we're legitimate. They don't believe that we are, actually should have the right to vote. They don't think that, that we, that, that the minority, well, you can go back to the 1950s and 60s in Mississippi. There were more African-Americans in Mississippi than there were whites. Mm -hmm. And we still didn't have the right to vote. Still didn't have the right to vote, they, yeah. <clears throat> that's right, because they didn't believe we had the right to vote. You know, one of the things that, that, I, that, that spurred me when I was mayor, one of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure that when, when police officers stopped anybody, that they treated them with respect, they gave them a ticket if they, if they broke the law or they took them to jail. But first of all, you treat them with respect. And we started, you know, I had a task force for domestic violence, a task force for homelessness, a task force for housing. So when, when, when the police were called, you didn't have a guy for domestic problem because that's the most violent call a police officer can get. You don't, you don't have, a guy who's been given tickets all day in the hot sun, going trying to break up a fight between the mama and the, and the daddy. You have someone who's trained in domestic violence. I saw that just as a child growing up, that we needed to change the way we police. We need to change the way we respond to people, uh, regardless of what color they are at that time. Of course, yeah. you know, we, we, we see where it's all happening now. You know, it seems to me, and I'm glad you mentioned that, um, how you, you wanted police officers in Hattiesburg to be in relationship with people, you know, whether they've broken the, the law or just, I guess they call it community policing, just getting to know the yeah. people yeah. that, that they're, and they, and they, they approach the job, I would guess, it, as, as public servants. We're yeah. here to serve. But we see in some communities, police have this notion that we are warriors yeah. rather than servants. It, yeah, yeah. We have that warrior mentality, and you look at all of the gear they have on, the helmets and the and the the body armor. And I remember this. You, you remember this video where this um, this black lieutenant in Virginia was pulled over by this these officers oh, yeah. and, and and was pepper sprayed. Yeah. And this officer had his helmet on. I mean, he was like in his fatigues, like he was he saw himself as a warrior, and that yeah. this guy. And who the real warrior was is this lieutenant who was serving in the military and being Correct. treated as though he was some kind of, you know, uh, committed yeah. some big crime or something. And, you know, I just, I'm glad to hear, and I hope that is uh, the case as we move forward across this country that, 
you know, because nobody, and I'm one of these people, I, I am not anti-law enforcement. I'm not anti-police. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but right. we can be against brutality. We can be against um, profiling, all those things, and still support police. And I, and I would think that, you know, they say the, the good cops are the ones that, uh, you know, we don't want to paint with a broad brush. But that good cop has just as, probably has more motivation than anybody to make sure that bad cop is not that doing things and makes everybody's job that much harder. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Anthony, I, I actually, I mean, I witnessed uh, some police uh, in Hasbro years back, uh, what, how they policed. And when I became mayor, I knew that's not the way we wanted to do it. I had several police officers that left the force. And they left the force because we wouldn't allow them to uh, police the way they were accustomed to policing. Mm-hmm. And so they left the force and went somewhere else. Uh, you know, we were the, I mean, you started talking about Norcan. We were the second city to have Norcan. We were the third city to have body cameras uh, in the state of Mississippi. I mean, those are the kind of things that we were trying to do because we knew that it, we had to give the police what they needed in order to police, but we also had to know what they were doing when they were policing. There has to be accountability. Yeah, and that accountability in those cameras, it protects everybody. You know, oh, it, it does. protects it the does. person who says, you know, I was beaten. Well, let's look at the camera. Let's go to the video, as they say. And, yeah. That's right. That's right. We had, when we had a police officer that turned the camera off, we fired. Yes. Because, because that's not the kind of officer that we wanted. We want officers who turn it on even before they needed to have it right. turned on. And so it, it's all the mentality. I think it's the mentality of the people who are in the leadership role, whatever, regardless of what city it is, regardless of whether you're black or white. I mean, I, I look at I look at um, in Tulsa, the mayor there, uh, he started the exhumation of these bodies and trying to find these bodies, trying to find. I mean, I applaud this man for doing that. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he, he didn't have to do that. He's trying to solve a mystery. He's trying to help people who don't know what happened to their loved one. And he's trying to help them do that. And I don't know whether he's Republican or Democrat. All I know is he's a mayor that's trying to solve a problem. And that's that's what the, that's what they get elected to do, and and, and people Correct. have to hold them accountable. You know, if Correct. they aren't doing the job, come election time, um, then they've got to make some changes there. Um, I want to I want to get your thoughts on on what we call voter suppression laws, things that are. Um, I know in Texas, I'm sure Mississippi, Georgia is the, is the one that gets most of the attention, where we see these um, Republican legislators and, and governors sort of concluding that since they cannot win on the issues and the policies that they they bought into the big lie that Donald Trump promoted and that the election was stolen, dead people yeah. voted, you know, people were transferring ballots from one state to the next on in, in 18 wheelers, all that nonsense. And 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 as a result, there are so many people who bought into that big lie in, in these red states especially their legislatures have come up with these voter suppression laws. Is that a harbinger of things to come or is this just a, 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 a one-time thing or is this something we need to be concerned about? Is this something that's just a passing fad? Once people get Donald Trump out of the system, they go, oh, okay, now we can go back to being normal. How do you see that? You, I, you can't put the genie back into the bottle. Right. Um, I think that, uh, you know, um, how can I put this? I, I, you know, I talked to a guy one time 
and who was who was strung out on drugs. Um, and he said that that first hit that he got was so good that he that he that he he always just wanted more. He just wanted more. He just wanted more. That's where I see where we are now. Trump has verbalized uh, this supremacy so much, and people who have kept it bottled up have had the opportunity now to express it. And I don't know how you put it back in the bottle. I do know that it ought to be a wake-up call for, for those who want better, who, those who, who like democracy. I, I think it needs to be a wake-up call. And I look at the voters, and I say wake-up call. You know, we had a runoff here uh, in Hattiesburg for the mayor. Uh, 1,400 people came out. Yeah. 1,400 people out of how many voters yeah. do you have there? Oh, thousands. Thousands. I mean, 1,400 people. 1,200 people came out. You know, we, we passed a bond issue with uh, 5% of the people came out. You allowed, the minority is allowed to do this when the majority don't exercise their right to vote. And I hate to get so simplistic about this, but, but Anthony, we overcame how many bar, how many bubbles in a bar of soap? Right. How many grains of sand? In a, in a, <laughs> interpret the, all these things. Did all your, the poll your taxes and that. All yeah. the polls. We overcame all of that, Anthony, and still have in the Mississippi, for one, we go back and forth with another state, more African-American uh, 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 elected officials in other states. Now that's changing, and it's changing because we've forgotten what power we have when we go to the polls. And, and the reason why these legislatures have, are doing this and are able to do this is because we've, we've just uh, given up what, 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 we fought, what, what we fought so hard, those others fought so hard to, to do. And that is for us to have the right to vote. And it's going to stay this way if we don't go out there and do what we have the right to do now, because the next the next laws that are going to be passed Anthony, are going to be those that actually not not suppress us, but to just take it away from us. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And I say people have the right to vote; they also have a, an obligation to vote. They have a responsibility. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I get so tired yes. of hearing people say, "Well, my vote won't count," or "There's no difference in these politicians." I, I don't I don't believe yeah. in. And and yeah. that's I think back to people like Vernon Damer and, yeah. and uh, people in our in our Hattiesburg. Mr. Damer was was murdered in I believe it was 1966. Firebombed yeah. his house was firebombed and and those people who who gave that ultimate sacrifice so that so that generations coming after them could have the right to vote and for anybody, particularly a black person who has the audacity to say, I don't have time to vote. I don't care about voting. You, you, I mean, you're yeah. just spitting on the graves and, and just sullying the legacy of people who gave that ultimate sacrifice. And yeah, I just, and let me tell you, yeah. my, 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 my very first election, Anthony, I won by 11 votes. 11 votes. Uh, that was on school, right? Uh, yeah, no, that was a board of supervisors. Board of supervisors, okay. All right, that's right. You, you, wanted, you were appointed yeah. as, a, as a... That's right, yeah. I won by 11 votes. My, my, um, and my, when I was elected to my fourth term as mayor, I won by 37 votes. Of course, the, of course, the guy came and, and, and he challenged it, went to court, and I won then by 237 votes. But, I remember but, but, that. I remember, remember that. that. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so you tell me, tell me that your vote don't count, doesn't count. 
when you can win by 11 votes and you win by 37 votes, and you tell me that the vote doesn't count. Right. Yeah, it does. You, it, but you know what? They do have a point. It doesn't count. <laughs> if you don't vote. If you don't vote, right. If you don't vote. As, as, right. as, Mr. as, as Mr. Damer famously said, if you don't vote, you don't count. <laughs> Okay. You, 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 that, that was look, one of his look, famous quotes. If you don't vote, you don't count. Yeah. So. Well, you know the monument that they have of him in downtown Hattiesburg actually has that down there. You don't yes. vote, you don't count. Yeah. But I was I was on the phone with a friend of mine who ran for mayor in Picayune, and I was on the phone with him yesterday while he was canvassing about four thirty, knocking on doors. He actually knocked on about seventy doors. He told me this morning, out of seventy doors, and I was listening as he was talking to some of the people. Some of them didn't even know there was an election yesterday. Oh, man, really? Didn't know. He said out of 70 something doors, he found four people that knew there was a that knew there was an election. The rest didn't know there was an election. He said some 50 said that they were going to go and vote and they didn't go vote. That's where we are. This apathetic mind that we have about voting and it doesn't count. And, and, and if you don't, if this pandemic didn't teach us. If this pandemic didn't teach us that to have the right person in the job, black or white doesn't matter. It's the right person in the job. They wouldn't have unemployment. They wouldn't have health care. They wouldn't have uh, $2,000 in stimulus money. Stimulus, yes. they wouldn't have, I mean, they wouldn't have that if the right person had not been elected. Right. Mm -hmm. The wrong person was elected before we see what yeah. would happen. <laughs> so now yeah. the right person, so, so that, if that doesn't open our eyes, we're in we're in bad we we're in a dire place. Yeah, I think somebody. I mean, like you said, is a wake up call. And there's so much going on in our country. If we would just pay attention, okay, if yes. we would just pay attention. A lot of people don't like to read anymore. They don't read newspapers. They don't yeah. read um, stories online. Yeah. They just you know, they're just kind of like in a fog, and they don't they don't know what's going on. But yeah. you know, we're going to have to do better. I, I'm, I'm hopeful in, in this regard. I see a lot of these millennials and, and Gen Zs, whatever they call them, hopefully their activism that came out of the George Floyd um, yeah. murder, um, yeah. murder of George Floyd. I'm, I'm hopeful that that kind of activism and, and commitment to social justice will, uh, will spill over and, and not just be a performative thing where they just did something for the moment and then later on just said, okay, what's the next shiny thing for me to be interested in? Uh, and I'm yep. hoping, and I think that's one of the reasons Joe Biden won is that people were galvanized. I think people were yeah. fed up with the, the direction the country was going. And they said, no, we yeah. can't, who wants four more years of chaos? <laughs> you know, who, yeah. who wants yeah. that? Yeah. Well, let me give you a bright hope. Let me give you a bright hope. Okay, man, give us some hope here. Okay. <laughs> some hope. From, from, look, from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, there's a young man had lunch with him last week with his father. A young man named Noah Harris, who is uh, an Eagle Scout. He's a, he's a junior at Harvard University. Mm -hmm. He is the first African-American president elected by the student body. His girlfriend is the president of Boston University. She's elected by the student body. And I can go on and on and on. These people have it going on. The, the, the problem we have is that I don't know if we have enough time for them and, and, and enough of them to do what we need to have done. Some of us, Anthony, that some of us that have, have, have been down the road, 
and say we're going home. And I applaud you for getting getting out of your easy chair and coming back. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I had to do it, man. <laughs> I know, but see, when, when I ran for when I ran for sec- when I ran for governor, I ran for secretary of state. People said again, you can't do it; it won't happen. You, I said, well, you know, I'm a hundred percent sure that one thing: I can't win if I don't run. And that's so, the only guarantee we, you have that you won't win is you don't run. <laughs> that's the only guarantee we have. Yeah. And so we we ran. And of course, we didn't win, but we hopefully gave hope to those to let us know that we still have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. If we stop trying, we give up. And that's what that, and that's what this young man, Noah Harris, uh, when we had lunch, he said, Mr. Dupree, I appreciate you. I said, what? He said, man, for keep trying. Mm-hmm. He said, because you could have just gone home and just stopped. He said, but I, I and, he, and he told me, he did an op-ed, and, I, and I, it really blessed me. Then I in, he said one of his mentors was me oh, because he grew up, he grew up in my church and he said he had an opportunity to grow up with the mayor of a city mm. and to see. And so, so while there were others who I grew up watching, there are people watching Anthony Harris, Johnny Dupree, mm-hmm. you know, I watch your mama. There are people who grew up, who were growing up watching us. Right. And, and, and so we've got to not go home. We got to stay. Stay yeah, so the, they can the, see us. the struggle is not over. You know, as I tell no. people, the song says we shall overcome. It didn't say we have overcome. Are we getting ready to overcome? We're just about there. No, we shall. And that means as long as the struggle continues, I, I have made a commitment to, to stay out there and to continue to fight yeah. for, for justice. Yeah. And one of the reasons I do this podcast and you know, I just need to use my platform, use my voice, use whatever uh, the good Lord yeah. has blessed me with to do that. One of the reasons I am so happy to be going to Prairie View A&M University is I will be in an environment where I am working with young black minds. Okay, yeah. I'm young black lives and young black minds. And I, because of my, my life experiences and in my career and so forth, I think I can be a help. And I'm not, not going into it in kind of ego kind of thing, but I think, like you said, there, there's still, I have to get off the, get off the couch, get off the, even though retirement life is nice, man. I tell you, I, 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 I saw a, um, I saw this little paperweight at, at, a, at a Hallmark store not long ago. And okay. said, one of the things about being retired is that tomorrow always seems like Saturday. <laughs> You're right, and, and I used to say, "Yeah, every day seems like Friday to me." But uh, that, that's nice, and I've done it for a year. But it's time now to go back, and because I think God still has a purpose for my life, other than just sitting and, and doing nothing. I'm still writing books, and I'm still doing this, the things that I need to do. And um, but you have I, so much. You have so much to give, and you have so much to give. Uh, you know, uh, I would tell you one story, and I'll let you get there. I taught uh, for a year and a half at USM. I taught a policy course in the in the, uh, in the social work department. And at the end of the day, I required my students to go to a city council meeting, a board of supervisors meeting, and a school board meeting. And I wanted them to compare and contrast the dynamics of that meeting: who's run the runs the meeting, uh, how they dress, uh, do they allow the public to speak? Just give me the, the compare and contrast. And what made me do that, Anthony, was I stood in front of these students and I said, okay, tell me, this is a policy course. So I want you to start out by telling me who the governor is. Yeah. They had no idea. 
I said, okay, let me give you, let me get a, who's the lieutenant governor? They had no idea. I said, okay, what, okay, you're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I'll give you an easy one. Who's the mayor? They had no idea. I said, okay, I'm gonna give you even an Okay, who's the former mayor? <laughs> they had no idea. And I'm standing in front of a man. <laughs> I'm serious. I realized at that point, and some of those students now have worked with me through, with campaigning. I realized then that we have such a long way to go that you don't, Absolutely. we have such a long way, such a and, long and, way. And I'll give you another example that's along the same line there. I, I still do mentoring programs with African-American boys in school districts here in, the Texas, in, 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 here in Texas. And about 10 years ago, I was working with some high school kids and I won't name the town, but uh, they were freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, all guys, all black guys there. And just to kind of give them some fun, let's have, a, this is during Black History Month, I said, we're going to have a Black History Quiz Bowl. The freshmen and sophomores will compete against the juniors and seniors. And whoever okay. gets the most points will get a pizza. They said, all right, we're ready for that. The first question I asked was, who was the first Black Major League Baseball player? Kid raised his hand, okay, I know. I said, who was it? Babe Ruth. Oh, God. I said, excuse oh, me? God. He said, Babe Ruth. I say, no, son, it's Jackie <laughs> Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, here's the next question. Who is a black woman who refused to give up her seat on the on the front of the bus in Montgomery, Alabama? Kid Raiders, I said, who is it? Oprah Winfrey. Oh, come on. And then it it, it was no longer humorous. It was no longer funny to well, me, Johnny, because I said, time yeah. out. Why don't you guys know about your history here? What tell yeah. me? I'm, I just want to know why don't you know about Jackie Robinson and Rosa Parks? Why don't you? And and their excuse to me was, Doctor Harris, these white teachers don't teach us anything about our history. That and that may be true. And they they don't teach us. I said, but let me ask you this: when you need to find the lyrics to a rap song, what's one of the places you can go and find those lyrics? Oh, I can Google it. I said that's. Oh. That Google machine that gives you those lyrics and give you history about your, your 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 race and your people and your history. So anyway, yeah. I, I I just don't let kids get away with that excuse, you know. But I think our generation, we have an obligation to continue to put it out there and and help mold these young people. Well, one thing we had, we, you know, one thing that we had, Anthony, they didn't have that in our schools either. But you know, you could go to any African American home and you would see Rosa Parks picture. You see okh Martin King pictures. You see Malcolm X pictures. You saw pictures. And and they told you who these people are. So anyway. Yeah, we that comes back home. Yeah, we were blessed that we came up in that era. And I tell people I I consider myself a a a participant in and a product of the civil rights movement. I I came along at the right time and and I am just, you know, as you have you have blazed some trails, Johnny. You and one of the things that he kind of glossed over a little bit. He ran for governor of the state of Mississippi. But let me give you the backstory on on that. Uh, Johnny Dupree was the first African American to win his party's nomination for a statewide office. The first time since Reconstruction. Am I correct? Yeah, it was the first time for governor. For governor. Which for, was for the, governor. For governor. For governor, yeah. state for, for the, the office of governor. And, and that was a great achievement. I'm sure some people told you, no, nah, you know, now it's not the time. And, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. You should support some other candidate. <laughs> yeah, well, they tried to buy me off, Anthony. Oh, I'm I sure. mean, I, 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 oh yeah, I had them coming to me, I mean, offering me $100,000. I remember something that 
the President Kennedy said when he was getting ready to run for president, and they said, you know, why don't you get on the ticket with somebody as a vice president? You make a good vice president. And, my resp he's, and his response was, if I settle for seconds for this, I'll be, second, I'll be settling for seconds for the rest of my life. And I remember that. And, and, and there's, no, there's no value added to your life or anybody else if you settle for seconds. Yeah, well, Johnny, no I want to thank you again for being here. Uh, I, I'll just, just point out a couple of other things here. Um, Johnny has been, um, he, he's a person of deep faith. And I'll just, I'm talking to uh, people listening here. Johnny Dupree is a person of deep faith and he's a person who is, uh, who's committed to, to people and, and he, is, he does it in a very selfless way. One of the things that I, I have felt very connected to Johnny in the sense that uh, right after my wife was diagnosed with lung cancer, one of the first people who called me was Johnny Dupree. You know, he called me to say, Anthony, we're praying for you, we're praying for your wife. And even after she came through all of that, he still made phone calls. He still texted me. He said, Doc, I'm just thinking about you. How's your wife praying for you? And, and I've always been very appreciative, appreciative of that, Johnny, um, that, that that's a mark of a selfless individual because you didn't have to do that. You and I have known each other a long time. We were not, not, not real, real close. I mean, we have, you know, and I appreciate the relationship we have, but the fact that you, you cared enough about me and my wife um, to check on us from time to time, I, I will always value that as and mark that as as a as a as a mark of selflessness and 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 you do it because of your your, your christian your christian beliefs and you know just caring for your your fellow man so thanks again well, sir everybody well, Anthony, uh, yeah, Anthony, let me just tell you we love you we love your family and we're just a product of our of our upbringing yes right you know we're, right. we're taught to, we're taught to care for for people in our community and even though we don't live in the same state Right. We still in our, in we our care community. for people and we have to model that. Right. We have to show we others do. that they, they can do it too. And because you know, once once we are once we've left the stage, yeah. Yeah, who's going to pick up the pieces? Who's going to be there to take the baton from us to, yeah. to say, you know, here I am, you know, I'm ready to I'm ready to go out and run for, for office. I'm ready to lead this protest. I'm ready to do what needs to be done. Uh, I want to believe, you know, that we're going to be okay. I'm very hopeful. I'm not always optimistic, but hope always remains alive with me. So uh, let's let's well, keep. I, I, when we leave this stage, Anthony, I hope there's a lot of people that emulate Dr. Anthony Harris. Well, thank That's you, and, and, and likewise to you, Dr. Dupree. Well, folks, thank you all for for tuning in again. I, I knew this would be a very good discussion. <laughs> uh, we only really we only scratched the surface. There's so much more we could have talked about, but yeah. I'm going to leave it here. Maybe at some date in the future, we can get um, get Mayor Dupree back. One of the things that I want to do, and, and, and I may get it done, is, is to have a regular, maybe monthly discussion with, with uh, Mayor Dupree and maybe two other people just to, just to kind of go over what's been going on so we can bounce okay. ideas off each other. And I, I, I want to, I'm, I'm not asking you to commit to it now. I'll give you more details later. But anyway, thank you everybody for, for um, being a part of this and uh, we will have our next episode here pretty soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.